Welcome to Back to the Basics with Pastor Jason McClendon. This program is sponsored by Crossroads Christian Fellowship, a non-denominational, conservative, and evangelical church focusing on returning to the mindset of believers in the New Testament church. The acronym BASICS, in the name of the program, stands for Believing and Sharing in Christ's Salvation. We are disciples making disciples who make disciples. And now, here is the message. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Welcome to Crossroads Christian Fellowship. Whether you are here with us live or listening to a recording later, we appreciate you being here. The sermon today is about being a fruitful Christian, taken from the message given to us by Jesus in the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. But first, let us pray. Father God, we praise your holy name. We give thanks for all of the wonderful, awesome things you do for us every day. We ask that you be with each and every one of us. Keep us safe throughout our days and allow us to see you working around us. Give us the wisdom to represent you in the way you want us to. All of this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as already mentioned, the message today is about being a fruitful Christian. The reading is from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus is speaking, and he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, let's put this in context. This discussion took place as Jesus was preparing for his own crucifixion. He was literally preparing for the event that would change the course of human history. Now, I realize that the resurrection is the big event, but the resurrection could not have taken place without the crucifixion. So it's a pretty big part of the story. Can you imagine what must have been going on in Jesus's mind at this time? His purpose was to offer the gift of eternal life to everyone who would respond. But so many people were not responding. Even some who were responding were not responding genuinely, which is a significant problem that we still have today. As he is getting ready to be humiliated, tortured, and executed, he is doing it with the full knowledge that even within his own inner circle of disciples, someone was about to betray him for a mere pocketful of money, for the equivalent of what would be worth less than $750 in today's money value. 
another disciple who was considered to be a leader amongst the disciples was going to deny him three times in a row within just the space of a few hours. And most of the other disciples were going to turn their backs on him and desert him in his hour of need. And this was his own inner circle. Men who had been with him and following him for three years. But externally, he was being rejected by a world full of men and women, some of whom were the major religious leaders of the day, and others who may or may not have been religious at all. But he came to offer eternal life to all of those people. He still loved them, even with everything they were doing against him, just like he still loves us when we do the same things. Sometimes we don't even realize we are doing it. Other times, it is quite clear to us and to others when we turn our backs on him and ignore him. Now, this conversation about the vine is part of what is often referred to as the final discourse. Throughout this discourse, Jesus is stressing his own love for his father, his followers, as well as the love of the Father. And in this passage we are focusing on today, he is encouraging them in their faith and stressing the importance of bearing fruit. Now, when we talk about bearing fruit from a Christian perspective, we are talking about the lifestyle changes in both activities and mindset that result when a person is following Christ and is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This includes making converts, which means sharing the gospel, seeking righteousness and bearing Christian character, specifically by pursuing and living with the fruit of the Spirit in your lives. From Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. While we may not see an immediate change in our lives regarding these virtues when we first become a Christian, as we continue to follow Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to transform us, this is the fruit we should have, and it should be readily apparent to others as we grow more and more steadily towards being a person whose life is filled with this fruit of the Spirit. And other people should absolutely notice. I would like to read an excerpt from a book called So Great Salvation, written by Dr. Charles Ryrie. Dr. Ryrie, who died just a few years ago, was considered by many to be one of the greatest theologians of the 20th and 21st century. Regarding the fruit of the Spirit, he said, What is fruit? Actually, the question ought to be phrased in the plural. What are fruits which a Christian can bear? The New Testament gives several answers to the question. One, a developing Christian character is fruit. If the goal of the Christian life may be stated as Christ's likeness, then surely every trait developed in us that reflects his character must be fruit that is very pleasing to him. Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit in nine terms in Galatians 5, 22-23, and Peter in 2 Peter 1, 5-8 urges the development of seven accompaniments to faith in order that we might be fruitful. Two of these terms are common to both lists, love and self-control. The others are joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, virtue, knowledge, endurance, piety, and brotherly love. To show these character traits is to bear fruit in one's life. Two, right character will result in right conduct. And as we live a life of good works, we produce fruit. 
This goes hand in hand with increasing in the knowledge of God, for as we learn what pleases Him, our fruitful works become more and more conformed to that knowledge. When Paul expressed how torn he was between the two possibilities of either dying and being with Christ or living on in this life, he said that living on would mean fruitful labor or work. This phrase could mean his work itself was fruit or fruit would result from his work. In either case, his life and work were fruit. So may ours be. Three, those who come to Christ through our witness are fruit. Paul longed to go to Rome to have some fruit from his ministry there, and he characterized the conversion of the household of Stephanus as the first fruits of Achaia. Four, we may also bear fruit with our lips by giving praise to God and thankfully confessing his name. In other words, our lips bear fruit when we offer thankful acknowledgement to the name of God, and this is something we should do continually. And five, we bear fruit when we give money. Paul designated the collection of money for the poorer saints in Jerusalem as fruit. Also, when he thanked the Philippians for their financial support of his ministry, he said that their act of giving brought fruit to their account. So Dr. Ryrie understood it well and he preached it, and hopefully he helped others understand it too. And if we can take his words and apply them, maybe we can work on developing this fruit in our lives and maybe even in the lives of other people. So the lesson from Jesus about the vine references lessons that were taught in the Old Testament, which symbolizes Israel's fruitfulness in doing God's work. Isaiah 5, for example, talks about the vineyard, the branches, and the quality of the fruit. Psalm 80 speaks about the vine. Jeremiah 2 talks about planting a good vine. Ezekiel 19 speaks of a planted vineyard with fruitful branches. A grapevine, for example, is a prolific plant. A single vine has the capability to produce a lot of grapes. So, (laughs) recognizing all of this, I guess it's no wonder that they drank a lot of wine in the Bible. In this narrative, the reading for today, there are three actors, and each one of them plays an important role. Jesus is the vine. God, the Father, is the gardener. And the branches are all people who profess to be followers of Christ. Jesus said he is the true vine. If one is looking for a specific fruit, there are other vines that may look similar or even produce the exact same fruit. But in this case, there is only one vine that can produce what Jesus alone gives, eternal life. He is the only vine that can give this regardless of how many other people throughout history have made claims of being divine or providing alternate paths to heaven. Those other vines are counterfeit. They are fake. They might produce fruit, but it is the wrong kind of fruit. They are false messiahs. So what does the vineyard gardener do? He prunes, purges, cleans, and protects the vines and the branches. Jesus didn't need any of that. He's perfect. But we need all of that. As branches, we respond in the way we relate to the vine. So in this case, we respond in the way we relate to Jesus. And again, Christianity is all about relationship. This is just another example. Jesus describes the branches as either being fruitful or unfruitful, and also as being attached to the vine or unattached to the vine. Branches that are attached to the vine represent the two kinds of people who profess to be Christians. The first kind is those who actually are followers of Jesus, people whose lives have been transformed by the Holy Spirit, 
or more accurately, who are being transformed by the Holy Spirit and who are doing the things I mentioned before, making converts, seeking righteousness, and bearing Christian character. The second kind is people who have in some way, shape, or form attached themselves to a Christian lifestyle. Maybe they're regular church attenders. Maybe they exhibit the apparent fruit of the Spirit. Other people might even think they're good Christians. In fact, they might even think so themselves. But in actuality, they are not even really Christians, even though they are, as Jesus describes, attached to the vine. If a person is an actual follower of Christ, they will produce much fruit. However, if someone is not producing fruit, it could be because they are not an actual Christian. Again, even if they think they are. Or it could be because they are backslidden uh, backslidden and need to come back into the fold. I believe that there are many people who think they are Christians when they are actually not. A lot of people who heard the good news of the gospel got excited about it and made a superficial commitment to Jesus, but they never followed through with it. They are not actually Christians. It's like someone who talks to a military recruiter, makes a commitment to join, but then never signs the enlistment papers. Or someone who professes their never-ending, undying love for someone else and then falls out of love. Sometimes this even happens after a couple has been married, sometimes even married for a long time. At the time they made the commitment, they probably believed what they were saying, but it was clearly not true. So many people have done the same thing with their commitment to Christ. They think they made a commitment, but they never followed through with it. And I'm talking about some people who may even be regular attenders of church, and who even tell other people that they are a Christian. But without the actual commitment, without being born again, these people are false Christians. There might not be any deceit intended. I mean, uh, again, uh, most of these people probably believe they are actually saved, but they're not. They are attached to the vine, but they are not producing fruit. And if they are not producing fruit, they are not being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And at some point, they will be pruned. They will be cut off from the vine and thrown into the fire. Am I talking about you? Or am I talking about someone you know? I don't know. I'm not pointing fingers. And quite frankly, you or anyone else can fake it and convince many people that you are followers of Christ. Maybe even convince yourself that you're a follower of Christ without ever having made an authentic commitment to follow him. Do you see why it's so important to always be the light, to always represent Christ, and to always share the gospel, even to those who may think they understand it? Most importantly, do you understand why it is important to make an authentic commitment to following Jesus and making him the Lord of your life? I talk to people all the time who at the beginning of a conversation tell me they are a Christian, but when asked, they can't even explain to me what that means. Friends, if you can't explain what it means to be a Christian, you are not one. And that is a problem because as Jesus said, these people will eventually end up in the fire. And if you haven't figured it out yet, the fire is hell. So, That pretty much sums up the attached branches. The unattached branches obviously do not draw, well, anything from the vine. No sustenance, no life. 
There could be a couple of reasons why they are unattached. First, they might be unattached because they were pruned by the gardener, as in cut off from the vine. Why would he do this? Because bad branches not only don't produce fruit, but they can infect the other branches. In some cases, bad branches block the efforts of good branches, so they need to be removed. They are pruned to protect the other members of the vine. The second reason why a branch might be unattached is because it withered and fell off on its own. Think, for example, of people who once professed to be Christians, attended church, etc., but they fell away. They are not simply backslidden. They might not even believe in God. They were once attached to the vine, but they no longer are. Remember, being attached to the vine doesn't mean they were actually Christians. It only means that they professed to be. An unattached branch is on its own. It might be lying on the ground alongside many other unattached branches, but it can't draw sustenance from any of them either. This could be people who've decided to seek life and meaning from somewhere or someone else outside of Christ. They could be people who are good by worldly standards, but they're not producing Christian fruit. Think, for example, of people who appear to live a life full of the fruit as described in Galatians chapter 5. Again, that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But they've never focused any efforts on sharing the gospel, on winning souls to Christ. The fruit of the Spirit can easily be mimicked by people who follow other religions, and it is not genuine from a Christian perspective because they are not following Christ. And while their efforts may appear good, it ends when they die. But without being attached to the real vine to Jesus Christ, it is pointless. Some people might consider them to have been good people and to have lived a good life, but at the end of the day, these branches simply die and dry out. And then later they are picked up and thrown into that fire. Friends, any branch that is not attached to the vine will end up dying and being thrown into the fire. But attached branches have the ability to continue to produce fruit. The gardener, who is God the Father, will still prune attached branches. In other words, Christians will be disciplined and Christians will be guided so that we will not only continue to produce fruit, but so that we will become even more productive. This is only natural as we continue to spiritually grow throughout our lives. Branches that are pruned but left on the vine promotes growth. And God is always here to help us with our growth. Sometimes we don't understand why he does what he does, but we simply have to trust that he knows best. We have to allow him to prune his branches to shape us the way he wants. We are shaped so that we remain in Christ, continuing to place our faith in him, continuing to share the gospel with others, continuing to be a part of the community of believers, and continuing to grow in our own Christian character. And when this happens, and Christians bear much fruit, God is glorified. And that is our purpose, friends. We were created to know and glorify God. Not only has he already done his part, but he continues to do his part every day. And so should we. So let's do our part. Let's ensure 
we are remaining attached to the true vine of Jesus Christ. And let's focus on bearing that fruit of the Spirit every day, all the time, with everyone we know and with everyone we meet. Let us pray. Father, you are the gardener of the vine, and we are simply the branches. We humbly ask that you continue to prune us so that we may know you better and we may adjust our lives to your will. We ask that you open the eyes of people who are attached to the vine but not bearing fruit. We ask that you open up our eyes to recognize those people so that we can do our part in witnessing to them, showing them love and helping them understand who you really are. Thank you for loving us so much and teach us how to love you back. All of this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, I sincerely hope that you are already a follower of Jesus. But if you are not, you need to know that the Bible makes it absolutely clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We are all sinners, and we all need Jesus. None of us can do it on our own. When we die, we will either go to heaven or to hell. But the ability to spend eternity in heaven is a free gift from God. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because he loved us so much, Jesus paid the penalty of death for our sins. He paid the price with his own blood, which means that we don't have to. That gift is free, and to receive it, all you have to do is recognize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Confess your sins to God, repent of your sins, in other words, you have to turn away from them, and turn your life over to Jesus, asking Him and allowing Him to be the Lord of your life. Remember, just because you repent and make Jesus your Lord does not mean you will instantly become perfect, but you do need to strive to model your life after Jesus. There are no magic formulas or special prayers to become a Christian. Just make it known to God. Just tell Him. He knows what's in your heart. Now, if you've made the decision to dedicate your life to Christ, which is often referred to as being born again, or if you've made the decision to rededicate your life to Christ, please let us know. Go to IamSavedByJesus.com and tell us about your decision. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to know if we can help you along the way. If you haven't made that decision yet, please pray about it, and we'll pray for you too if you let us know. This is the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life. It only takes a few seconds to decide, but the ramifications of your choice are literally eternal. Take it seriously. Remember, go to IamSavedByJesus.com, and we look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, running a ministry is not free. There are many costs associated with developing and running programs, and we humbly ask for your support, especially if our messages have touched your heart 
or you believe they will touch the hearts of other people. We ask that you first pray about how God wants you to proceed. And then, if you feel led, help us focus on building the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian and you are not tithing anywhere, please consider tithing to us or consider gifting to us, however God leads. Remember, the money you have is God's money that He blessed you with to manage and to be a good steward. The money you tithe and gift to us builds the ministry of Crossroads Christian Fellowship and the International College for Christian Studies. The more financial support we receive, the more people we can reach. You can make this monthly contribution or one-time gift through PayPal by going to donationforchurch.com. You can also find other ways to donate on that webpage. Thank you in advance for your support and may God bless you. Well, it's almost time to go. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We are praying regularly for you and ask that you do the same for us. Until we come together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Go now into the world and serve the Lord. Amen.